Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Oh my word, I am deep, deep down the rabbit hole of all things season extension lately. So we finally agreed, as you may know, that this was our year to build a greenhouse. And you can listen to episode 103 for more details on our crazy plans. But when we finally said, okay, we're doing this, this is the year, after like a decade of talking about it but not doing it, I started to research greenhouses and season extension and all these options, and it was so stinking confusing, you guys. Like, my head was spinning. And there were heated greenhouses, unheated greenhouses, plastic covering, glass coverings, panels, hoops, cold frames, and sometimes all the terms were used interchangeably. And I'm going, what the heck do I even need to do to get this structure going? So I tend, just the way my brain works, I need to organize and compartmentalize things in order to digest them. And I've noticed that sometimes when I do this, it helps a lot of you as well, just to help sort things out and kind of figure out where you're headed. So in today's episode, we are talking about all things season extension from cold frames to greenhouses. And I'll kind of tell you how I'm breaking it down and keeping it straight. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and your self-sufficiency, well, you have found your tribe. This episode is brought to you by Layman's Hardware, my number one all-time favorite resource for homesteading and old-fashioned living supplies. More than ever, I want to be supporting small businesses right now, and Layman's is a shining example of that. Not only do they carry everything from gardening supplies to kitchen equipment and all sorts of very awesome off-grid appliances. They've been a family-owned and operated company since 1955. And let me tell you, when I visited their original store in Kidron, Ohio last summer, I pretty much completely fell in love with them. For a limited time only, if you use the coupon code JILLMAY, you can save 10% on their entire stock of baking supplies, which Yes, that includes their heritage stoneware bowls. You know, the ones with the blue stripe that you've seen on my YouTube videos. Yep, those are included too. So head on over to the show notes to grab the link and the discount code and happy shopping. So this whole greenhouse thing, it's been quite the roller coaster for Christian and I. Also an epic display of our indecisiveness or I don't know, confusion. I don't know what it is, but it's been a little bit crazy. Um, it's probably good. We didn't start, I don't know, maybe we should have filmed it from the beginning because it would probably make an epic viral YouTube episode because it's so ridiculous. But in the nutshell, let's just say at first we were going to build like a 10 by 10 greenhouse and we we're going to put it by our garden. And if you watch the YouTube video I posted a couple weeks ago, I kind of showed you where I was going to put it. Well, that's all scratched. We're not doing that anymore. It's now like a 20 by 40 greenhouse or bigger, and it's going to be back on the other side of our garden. And then we had that nailed down and then we went out there to measure it out. And we were like, well, maybe we should do a hoop house instead. Can we do a hoop house? I don't know. Let's figure it out. So we went down that rabbit hole and now we're back to the greenhouse and I'll kind of walk you through how on earth those things happened and why we came back around. But anyway, before we do that, before I talk about that, I wanted to just 
sort through some of the different types of season extension. Because if you're new to this, and maybe you're not, but for me personally, I have told myself for years that I was locked into a very specific growing season in Wyoming. And I told myself that, okay, yeah, there's other people doing other things, but it's because they live in balmy climates and they don't live where I live. And I actually realized that was not a true story. I was telling myself a story and it was not reality. So when I started to dig into this idea of season extension, I really quickly realized that I actually do have options. And that's a great object lesson for life. Like how many times we box ourselves into something and tell ourselves this is the only way it is, period, end. And it's actually not reality. There's actually a lot of other things we can do. So anyway, there's a lot I can do in Wyoming, even though we live in an epically poor gardening environment. And I just had to sort through the different options. So there's four options. And I just want to take you through them today in case you have been feeling as confused as I was about what the terms are and what the options are and what they mean. Okay. So the first thing you can do to give yourself a little bit of a boost on either end of your growing season is to build a cold frame. Now cold frames aren't uncommon. So you probably have heard of them before, but they're kind of the favorite because they're very simple. They're usually quite inexpensive and there's a million variations on them. In essence, a cold frame is basically a box that is close to the ground with some sort of clear top on it. And the goal is that, or the idea is that it solar powered, right? The sun shines in, it heats up the area and the soil, and it produces this microclimate in the cold frame. Now you can grow full on vegetables in a cold frame in the winter or early spring, or you can use them to start seedlings. Um, There's lots of different ways you can make them work for you. If you Google cold frame, or you look it up in a gardening book, you will see a million and one different ways to build one. You can use a basic wood box. You can make a area out of straw bales or hay bales. You can use an existing garden box. You can use plastic or an old window. It's a great repurposing option. Or you can use a clear plastic panel. So there's lots of ways you can capture that sun and use it to heat your cold frame. Now for us, this is one of the first things we did just a couple weeks ago because I was waiting on timing for our other projects to be right. So we walked around our house, figured out where we could build a cold frame, which is still in the works. But We also just took a couple of our raised beds, which are out in our front yard, and I put a piece of plastic paneling over the top and I planted some cabbage and some seeds in there. The cabbage were seedlings. Um, Then I planted some green seeds, let me clarify. And they've been doing great, even though we've had some snow, we've had some really cold temperatures and it's been raining nonstop. Everything is doing great other than one of my dogs got into it about four days in on one of the beds and dug it down to nothing. Like I'm talking, he dug, the dirt was everywhere and I wanted to murder him. So I had to replant that one, but that wasn't the fault of the cold frame plastic. It was obviously outside forces, but a cold frame is simple and basic and a great way to play with season extension. If you're not quite ready to invest in something a little bit crazier. Now, if you are ready to invest in something a little bit crazier, That's where something like a hoop house or a high tunnel would come into play. 
Now, I'm a little bit embarrassed to tell you how long it took me to figure out which was which, because sometimes the different greenhouse books or the gardening books will use the word cold frame and hoop house and high tunnel and greenhouse, and they mix them all up and they'll call a greenhouse a cold frame and they'll call a hoop house a greenhouse and a high tunnel a hoop house. And not that any of those are incorrect, but it's extremely confusing. So for the sake of my sanity, I am calling a hoop house some sort of structure made out of hoops. That is um, obvious, right? <laughs> so a hoop house is also can be known as a high tunnel, which makes sense. It's a tunnel that is high, i.e. you can walk in it, walk through it. And the hoops can be made out of PVC pipe or some sort of metal. Um, and usually because they are this half circle shape, we can't cover that with rigid panels. So we cover it with plastic and there's all different types of plastic some tougher than others. Sometimes the ends of a hoop house will be solid, like framed in. Sometimes they'll just be rolled, the plastic rolled up like a curtain and you enter and exit that way. Sometimes a hoop house or a high tunnel is ginormous, like a commercial gardener could use it to grow for the farmer's market or the stores. And other times they're just little tiny kind of personal hoop houses. Now, a hoop house is not heated other than by the energy of the sun. So you're not going to have a heating unit or a cooling unit in there. Sometimes the sides can roll up. So if you have stuff growing there in the summer, you roll up the sides to make sure nothing scorches and you get the airflow in there. And as I was reading, I realized that one of the main benefits of a high tunnel or a hoop house would be that you could potentially, not always, but it can be movable or you can remove the plastic to expose the soil. Now, why would you want to do that? That's a great question. I asked that myself. And what can happen sometimes if you're growing in the soil, in your hoop house, and you're growing in the same soil year after year after year, you can cause some imbalances in the soil. You can get a buildup of salt, a buildup of pests or disease. And sometimes the best thing is to either switch locations or to let it be exposed to the elements for a season and allow some of that cleansing, that natural cleansing to take place. So that is a benefit of some more of a portable hoop house. Now we have the high tunnel, right? We just talked about that. We also have the low tunnel. Now a low tunnel, you cannot walk through a low tunnel. That was my first realization. It is just basically a row cover with hoops. So let's say you have a strip of cabbage and you want to help your cabbage grow a little bit longer into the fall and or maybe you want to help keep out bugs pests so you can cover your your cabbage um on those cool evenings i guess this wouldn't really apply to the pests scratch that pretend like i didn't say that <laughs> um but you would put some short little hoops over your row and you would put your plastic over and then you would need to kind of secure that plastic on the sides by digging it kind of under the dirt. And then when you go out in the winter, you would need to, to move the dirt and pull the plastic up and harvest your crops. So that can be a great option if you live in a mild place, I think. As I looked at low tunnels, they were pretty low on my list of options or preferences just because, well, two reasons, this, the wind. Like I don't, if you've never been to Wyoming in the winter, at least the prairie part of Wyoming, I don't know if I can fully describe the wind. It's probably like nothing you've ever experienced in your whole life. We easily get 70 to 80 mile an hour winds. 
in the winter. I mean, these winds will blow over a semi truck, not once or twice a year, like once or twice a week on the interstate near our house. Um, they are formidable. Sometimes we've had several instances in the last couple of years where they were actually clocked at low grade hurricane speeds. Um, they're legit. So just some floppy plastic out there secured with a few rocks and some dirt. It will be in Nebraska if I tried to do that. And the other issue is, is I'm thinking, you know, we have drifting snow. So even if I was able to secure that plastic on those low tunnels down like crazy, drifts form all over the place and they can be really deep and really crusty. And so trying to dig out the uh, plastic under the snow and then put the dirt back, it just sounds like a lot of work. So low tunnels are not an option for me, but they could be an option for you. And they're pretty inexpensive. So that leaves us with our final season extension option. So the greenhouse, right? Now greenhouse, that term can apply to a lot of structures. And sometimes you'll see people call a hoop house a greenhouse or a high tunnel a greenhouse. For me, for the sake of my confusion, I like to just call a greenhouse something that's like permanent. And that doesn't mean it's, that's the correct term. That's just what I'm, how I'm categorizing it. So to me, a greenhouse is the structure that is set in the ground in some way, shape or form. And it's not movable and it's made out of wood that's going to be there for a long time. And maybe it has plastic or glass or, or plastic panels for the actual glazing, but it's a permanent structure. Now, when you get into the world of greenhouses, some of them are solar powered only, right? And others have very complex heating systems and cooling systems and are a little more um, gadgetized. For us, we pretty quickly decided that we didn't want to have a lot of money invested into extra heating or extra cooling. It just seemed a little bit excessive for what we're doing. So we just wanted a simple structure that would be heated by the sun and that's it. Now a greenhouse, this is another thing that confused me a little bit. I was like, well, do you start seedlings in a greenhouse or do you plant stuff in the ground in a greenhouse? And you can do both. You can do either or. A lot of folks, if you have those little tiny backyard greenhouses, most of the time they're just used for seedlings. You want to start your seeds out there instead of in your basement, like I've been doing for three years, you would do that out in the greenhouse. You might have to watch on the really cool nights or the really hot days, but it just keeps them out of your house and out of your way. You can also plant in the ground in a greenhouse. Now, most of the time, a hoop house or a high tunnel is going to be the thing, not when to say most of the time, often, um, those are the structures where people are having big, long rows for their market gardening in those tunnels or those hoops. Um, but you can do the same in a greenhouse, right? Okay, so hopefully that was as clear as mud, right? You have your cold frames, you have your hoop houses slash high tunnels, you have your low tunnels, and then you have the greenhouse. So what the heck are we doing? That's a great question. So here's what we have decided for this moment in time. It could change. Do not hold me to this. <laughs> here's what we're doing. So we are putting our greenhouse to the, which direction? West of our garden. So if you can visualize, if you've seen a picture of my garden, there is the garden, this long rectangle with the beds. There is fuel tanks on one side with this little teeny windbreak. We're going to leave those there, even though we had planned to move them. Scratch that. And we're going to put the, the greenhouse to the west of that garden in this open area that's really unused space. 
Now, the problem with this area, it's a nice big footprint, but it's also very exposed to wind. So we are going to have to build a windbreak on at least the north side, northwest side, to prevent it from being absolutely destroyed by wind. Now, there was a moment last week when we contemplated hoop house, a hoop house, and we actually did a whole bunch of Googling and a whole bunch of price comparisons on a hoop house. As I was thinking, maybe that's cheaper and it comes in a kit and we can just get it and put it up and it's not all this like structural engineering that we're gonna have to do. And we were close. We were close. I'm like, there's a good chance it won't be tough enough, but what if it was? What if it was? So I emailed um, a guy, I found his name all over, and he's an expert in greenhouses in Wyoming, which was, I was so pleasantly surprised to discover there is such a thing. And he promptly emailed me back and said, you know, I don't think you should put a hoop house in your location. That would be a bad idea, which my gut knew that, but I just needed someone smarter than me to tell me that. So he said with our hail, I didn't mention our hail. The hail right here is ridiculous, like ridiculous. We live in one of the most hail prone areas in the nation. Our insurance is high here because of the hail. I feel like I am not doing a good job of selling you on Wyoming, but you should move here and be my neighbor anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, so between the hail and the 70 mile an hour winds in the wintertime, it's okay in the summer, but the wind is nasty in the winter. He's like, do not put a hoop house up. And I'm like, thank you my dear friend, because you saved me a lot of money and crying when my hoops and my plastic are in Nebraska. So we decided in a very long-winded way, sorry, that was rambly, to go with a greenhouse. So we are going to actually build a structured greenhouse. It will be a little more costly because we have to get real wood and we're going to, I think, use those kind of corrugated looking plastic panels. Um, there's a couple different brands. We don't know what brand we're going with yet. I know it has to be tough enough to withstand the hail and not get peeled off by the wind. So I'll let you know how that works out. But it's gonna be a fairly large structure. And my goal is that I wanna have benches for my seedlings around the edges, and then a several rows in the middle to actually plant in the ground. Now this won't be a movable structure, so I'm gonna to have to be very, very careful with my plant rotation and how I amend the soil to make sure I don't get my soil balances off. But I'm willing to learn that and figure that out because honestly, if, if we don't build an actual structure, structured greenhouse in the ground, we won't be able to do this. Like we just cannot do a tunnel or a hoop house in our area. It is not feasible. So it's kind of our only option if we want to grow more food for a longer period of time. And that is my goal. I want to be less dependent on the industrialized food supply. I want to, and we do pretty good, right? But we're still buying a lot of vegetables other places because we're so limited on what we can grow here. I'm over it. I want to get more um, sustainable with our vegetables and also have enough to sell or share with friends and just kind of feed our local people. And a greenhouse is going to be a real greenhouse with not plastic. It's going to have to have actual, I mean, by plastic, I mean rolls, right? It's going to have to have rigid plastic is going to be our best bet. So I will keep you posted. Our first step is trying to find the materials. We're having a hard time doing that locally just because a lot of our stores are sold out with all the weird supply chain stuff going on. So once we get our materials, we're going to start mapping out the trusses and figure out the angles and all the stuff. And don't worry, you'll get to come along for the ride. I'll be posting lots of YouTube videos on this. But in the meantime, 
If you garden in a ridiculously harsh climate and you have any tips for me, especially in regards to greenhouse construction, please send them my way. I would be very, very grateful because if you live in a place like I do, you know it is not for the faint of heart and I'm open to all the help I can get. So we'll definitely keep you posted on how this goes. It should be good watching if nothing else. All right, my friend, if you are ready to do this homesteading thing, but you're feeling a little bit unsure of where or how to start, well, that is my specialty. I just so happen to have an entire library of resources I put together for homesteaders, and you can get complimentary access to the whole thing over at theprairiehomestead.com grow. And that's it for today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so all the new episodes show up in your podcast player and Thanks for listening. It's so much fun. And I'll catch up with you next time on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.